Welcome to Art Everywhere. Tonight, my guest is Tony Allen. What's up? What's up, Tony? We're back again. That's right. Podcast redo. Podcast podcast redo. So the la- so Tony has a lost episode of this podcast. So every once in a while, you know, technology takes a shit on you. And uh, it just so happened that there was some... Uh, <laughs> Some interesting tales that he was telling that just happened to get fuzzed out. We, uh, we'll we talk about that a little later, but dude, I'm glad to have you back, bro. Yeah, glad to be back, man. I was, um, last time I came, I was also insanely sick last time. Dude, I remember so, that. Um, I'm feeling much better now. Yeah, I remember I asked yeah. if you wanted to have a drink with me and you're like, dude, I can't. I'm getting yeah. you know, antibiotics or something. That's right. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Like, I've, yeah. I've been taking antibiotics for like two weeks. So, I'm like, oh, uh, shit. Yeah. This time we got a little bit of whiskey, whiskey going, some baby. medicine. Hey, what's going on? What's up? Mario, what's up? Wait a minute. <laughs> if he's here, you're there. How can it be? Wow. It's magic. Bro, magic yeah, and technology. Cheers. Cheers, fellas. Mm. Woo. That's nice, dude. Mm-hmm. Told you, nice little finish. Right. You didn't even let it finish. You cheated. You're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chase that thing down quick, dude. But it's a nice finish. Trust me. Yeah, I believe you. All right. So, so, dude, so walk us through your art life in Sacramento. Like, where did you get started? Like, who gave you your break? How did you get involved in the scene? All right. Yeah, let me go, let me go back. I've got to rewind a little bit, go back in time. Yeah. Um, I've been a part of the Sacramento art scene actually for probably close to two decades. Um, <clears throat> I started, uh, well, first I was in the music scene way back in the day. I'm talking about like, um, like back when the scene was vibing off the wings of Deftones, the success of Deftones. Oh, wow. So after like early 2000s, yes. So after the Deftones blew up, it, it puts Sacramento on the map musically. You know, we were kind of before that. There were other successful bands from Sacramento, but Deftones was definitely the more modern, like, example of that. And that spawned, like, a huge art, uh, music scene in Sacramento. So I, I've been an artist since I was a child, but I got from from circumstance in life, you know, some some tragedy, some tough times. I was looking into other ways to express myself. So I started getting into writing. I started with poetry and then I, I felt like I heard Deftones. I still remember the time period. Actually, I heard Deftones for the first time and I was like, holy shit. Like you can, for the, it was a, it was the first uh, time I heard music that could be expressed emotionally, but also completely heavy at the same time. And that's how I was feeling at the time. You know, I had a lot of anger, resentment, uh, for things. And I felt like I didn't want to just like sing, you know, sappy little songs about how bad I'm feeling. I wanted to scream that shit. You know what I mean? So I got into music. So I did the music thing for a number of years. I was in three different bands. We played up and down California. Um, but eventually it led me back to my original expressive, you know, form, which was just the traditional art, you know, uh, pen and ink on paper. I had already been doing it and I was, I got into tattooing actually for a little while there too. 
So when I was doing music, I was doing tattooing almost like as a hobby. So my art had become somewhat of a secondary expression, uh, you know, below music. But then I flipped it later on in about 2005. I decided to flip it and make art the primary, uh, you know, way to express, you know, things. So after I started doing that, I just went hard on art. It's like I had been like neglecting my art for so long. Not that I was because I was still doing tattoos, but that's much more of a service, right? It's yeah. kind of like a service. And uh, so I decided to get into art and just uh, ha I happened to make the right connections, old friends and stuff, even old friends from the music scene who had kind of dipped into the art scene hey, hey, come over here. Just like uh, you were telling me your story earlier about, you know, your origin story, you know? Yeah. It's the same thing. You know, someone told me, go here, you know? And then I went there and then that place was called Vox. And I still give so much props and credit to everyone that, um, that allowed me to grow out of the gallery that was called Vox at that time, V-O-X. Um, shout out to... Um, Jill Stafford, she's out there still. She still works dude, over Jill's there on our awesome, street. Dude. Yeah. So she was dude, part of I the original Jill, Vox crew. Really? Um, Cindy, Eric. And uh, so they really like, they were really supportive and they got me showing at first, you know? So it was my first like public, like here's my personal journal for on display for everyone to see. You know wow. what I mean? And that was like, that was different for me. You know, I, I did it in, in, in song form too. Every time I sang a song, I was also basically, you know, screaming or singing lyrics that were from in me, but something about the, the paintings were more vulnerable because I felt like there's no, there's no context, you know, with lyrics, I'm so specific about what I'm talking about. But if I throw a painting on the wall, you don't know exactly where that might be coming from in my mind. You know, it's up to the viewer to sort of determine, is it from a happy place, a sad place, whatever. So um, that's where I started right there. And I, I continued a relationship with Vox for years after that and uh, got to show at different, you know, different places and be involved in the scene back then. And then, um, yeah, I was just going hard with that. And then, you know, life, life comes up on you, responsibility, family, stuff like that. So like sometimes, uh, you know, it's pretty common for most people, most artists, you know, there's times where you take a break from it, you know, or you hit a right or you hit a, you know, creative block and you, you can't seem to come up with something. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I started. Like I started showing, um, from there and then just showing and showing and showing and uh, even but back before uh, I started showing art I was already moving my way up in the music scene where I was putting on shows because I've always been interested in not just being a per you know participant in the scene but also being someone who helps organize the things I've always been interested in that I've always been interested in who's running the show not just being part of it but also getting to know who's running the show. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the community aspect of it. Yeah, right. You know, I think that's just as important as actually showing is oh, like absolutely. connecting with the people you show with because 
you're sharing vulnerabilities with people. Yeah. And it's funny you should mention that your paintings made you feel more vulnerable than your singing. Right. Because I've experienced the opposite. Okay. And most people I know, like, it's the opposite. Because, like, when you're singing, like, that's like, you right. know, you're there in front of a bunch of people and you're like. You're saying word you're, for word what's on yeah, your mind, yeah, right? That's, that's a different <laughs> thing, dude. But something about being on stage, I would basically just um, not black out. But I would tr- I would basically go into a completely different state of mind for the time that I was on stage. And during that moment, nobody in the audience was even there to me. I was literally just singing, let it, singing it. And it didn't matter if there were three people there or 100. I was just going buck wild. Like, I let it all out. <laughs> you have to, dude. Because... If you don't, people can tell. Yes. People can tell you're holding yes, back. That's and it's right. like it's like, oh, it's kinda right. it's hard to watch. Even right. if somebody's going balls out and it's not your kind of music or whatever, yeah. it's still better than somebody singing your music like something you're into, but that's like right. holding back. That's right, that's right. Because it's honest. That's right. So um when I started with the when I decided to flip it and kind of do art. I, I needed to start off slowly showing that part of myself to the public. But now I'm at that point where that's exactly what I want to do with art. I want to be 100% authentic, all out with my art. No, no catering to any type of public opinion, type of social you know, group like, oh, everybody's painting this. You should paint one of those too. Fuck no, that. no. Fuck that. No, I'm only going to do exactly what my heart tells me to put on canvas. That's it. Like it or not, doesn't matter if it's not popular. It doesn't matter if it doesn't sell, actually. I need to get it out in the rawest form that it can come out of me. That's it. You know, that's the only way I'll do art now. Yeah, it's got to be honest, dude. It's got to be from your heart. Absolutely. And, And Gabe commented, uh, Gabe Sanford. Oh, Gabe Sanford. What's up, Gabe? He, he commented, uh. Vox crew yeah. still going strong. That's right. That's right, man. Like, yeah, so so you and Gabe like started curating shows. Like that, how did how did that work? Well, um, you know, back when I got involved with Vox, um, me and Gabe worked together at Aaron Brothers. <laughs> oh, cool. And I know so many artists that worked at Aaron Brothers at one point or another. But we worked together at Aaron Brothers and uh I got him in I got him involved with Vox too. So he started showing there too. And uh, he was actually part of my, I had a going away, I had a big going away art party when I, when I first attempted to move out of the country. <laughs> and uh, he had a giant wall. It must have been the size of this room right here. All his art from top to bottom with all his art. And uh, that show was so dope, man. Like we had so many people turn out. I sold every piece of art I had. Um, Whoa. It was a bomb show. We had no we had no DJ or anything, no music. We just had a radio playing, but it was all art based like and it was huge, man. It was over a little spot on X Street that Vox used to be at. But um, so I got Gabe into that. So we maintained friendship. We, me and Gabe have been friends since shoot, I think we met in 2005. So um, we've been friends ever since. So when I came back um, out of the country recently, um, I knew Gabe was my man to, 
to get in contact with, to, to immerse back into the scene. Cause I had been away for so long that I didn't know where to start again, you know? So, you know, COVID had hit, had basically <laughs> decimated what I knew the scene to be before that. So I got in touch with Gabe. Um, he got me linked up. We, we started working together just for a short time over at a space in between that big um, art gallery used to be in the corner of old uh, downtown Sac on C Street. We worked together for there for a short time, just really like a few weeks. But soon as we started communicating again, we're like, hey, man, we need to put our heads together and come up with an idea because I'm feeling like after I after I spent some time away and I came back into Sac, I was born in Sac. Sac's my hometown, you know, yeah. and I I felt like, OK, I want to get back out there as an artist. But I also want to participate in the community a little more. I don't I don't just want to be a person who's also trying to get shows and things like that. But I want to be I want to help facilitate other people getting shows somehow. So Gabe had already been like all the years that I was gone. Gabe had been putting on shows. But um, so together we combine and kind of put a structure behind it so that it had like a system as far as, you know, artists sending us their material, us sending out uh, documents, promotion, all that stuff was very systematic uh, for you are here, you know? And uh, so that's what, and now Gabe's, Gabe's rocking it right now. He's kind of, I needed to step back because my work got a little busier. So it, it, it was a conflict between putting on those shows and, and my work. So I had to step back and I was like, hey, Gabe, can you, can you keep them running for the meantime? I'll try to find ways to branch you are here out and still find other avenues that you are here can be, you know, actively part of. So he's still rocking the, the old soul uh, coffee shop. Yeah, shows. yeah. He asked me if I wanted to participate in one and I have a few ideas for paintings and drawings, yeah. but I can't uh, yeah. lift my arm over oh, my head. Sure. Just yet. Yeah. yeah. So like draw, you know, painting, yeah. You know, on a on a canvas on a large scale, which I usually do. Yeah. Which is the most natural to me. I I, I can't do it. I oh, physically cannot do it. So man. Uh I'm I'm kind of stuck there. Sorry, Gabe. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry Gabe. buddy. In time, in time. So anyway, he's killing it, man. He's like artists are still like making sales through our shows and stuff. So um, you know, I'm just trying to branch out and see where else we can find places for our You Are Here artists to show. Because we're in we're in connection with like, I'd say 150 plus artists. So um, that are looking to show their art somewhere, you know. So um, we have a big, you know, catalog of people who are who are in line. Gabe already has basically the rest of this year already booked up and uh, he's still making sales and everything. And I'm like, hey, man, just. You're doing the work. You take the just commission. The, yeah, just you know what I mean? Just keep the commission. Don't worry about I'll handle my shit. You know, yeah. don't worry about it. I'll spread. I'll keep spreading the word about you are here. I'll keep trying to find places we can go and, and have for artists to show. You just keep rocking those coffee shop shows for now because you're doing good. So he's doing that. And uh, yeah, it's going it's going really good, actually. OK, so you're we're going to we're going to start going into your um your influence. So you have like okay. a really strong, there's two big like subjects that you have. One is like Asian culture, anime type style, like gore and, and gore, like just regular gore. 
but like you got like these two <laughs> styles. Like where do those come from? Like where where does that where does that attraction come from? Well, um, life experience. You know, the the portraits I did, the Asian portraits I did, were specific. You know, uh, on the on the experience in China. So it all that, of them were done in China. Just those portraits, those portraits, oh. those four portraits I did, those were done in China or three or four. Yeah, four, four and one little one. But um, yeah, I did those while I was in China and it was just so, sort of like a it was a response to some people I had met there. Those portraits are of people I've met, except for one, except for one. The first one I was just actually trying to do portraits. I had never done one before. And I was like, I want to see if I can do a portrait. You know, yeah, I never tried tackle the challenge. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm always trying to elevate my level. I never believe that I have mastered anything per se. I'm always trying to grow. Right. So I was like, I really personally love portrait work. So I'm like, let me see if I can get into this, you know. So that's what I did. I, I found a random picture on Instagram of somebody I didn't know. And I was like, let me see if I can turn flip this around. Right. So I was like, I turned it out and uh, I ended up getting props from that person. That person ended up being like a model. And she she messaged me personally, like, how did you do that? And I was like, well, with color pencil and a steady hand. She's like, that's crazy, bro. Like people think it's a filter like you did it on a computer with a filter. And I'm like, no, that's a real drawing. I like have it right here in my hand. You know, she's like, damn, you're good, man. I'm like. That gave me confidence, like, oh, shit, yeah, like, like, I, can okay, do this. I could do this. Right. So then um, a couple of the uh, three, a uh, few of the other portraits are are women that had met in China who, um, you know, without diving too deep into that, unless we are going to confront that, oh, we're, but we're, confront we're, that. We're, we're we're risking this second. <laughs> no, 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 we're doing it. We're, we're going to do use it. a code we're word. We're going to have to use like blueberries as the code oh, gonna, word or something. We got to do it. Look, the truth has to get out. The truth has to get out. <laughs> if we want this recording to actually be go through, we're going to have to think of a code word anyway. Like, um, so I was trying to think of, mm, I encountered some people along the way that impressed me, you know, mm -hmm. Um, as far as character, you know, and uh, the the reason why uh, women were a topic of, of, you know, were a subject matter because because it is a subject matter in that country. Um, if you open your eyes to it, especially and as what country a, is this? China. China. I mean, blueberries. <laughs> blueberries. <laughs> so um, so. There, as a Westerner in there, you know, we, our country is, is very different, right? We have a lot of rights, no matter uh, if people abuse them or neglect them or, you know, are ungrateful for them. We have a lot of things that are available to us here that are not available to people in other countries. And China was one of those countries where I saw it with my own face, you know, my own eyes, like, wow, it's really different here, you know? And um, so I felt it was not fair and I couldn't do anything about it. You know, I'm a foreigner there. I can't, I can't go march up to the, you know, I can't do yeah. anything about it. So, um, so I, I, I put it into art and I tried, and I just basically used a few of the people I'd met as muses for how I felt, uh, about that subject matter. And, uh, so I just captured a, a few of the people I had met who impressed me in some way or another. 
you know, just little little nuances about them, you know, like, for instance, one one portrait I still have is Yellow Queen. Now, that was a nickname she the, the streets gave her Yellow Queen. Now, she was impressively tall. This is one of like the most like significant traits. She was not like lanky and tall. She was a regular sized person, but much bigger to where you had to look up at her when she was walking by. And it was it was like a little bit like, wow. Yeah. And like um, so and then I would I would watch her out. She didn't speak a lick of English. But when we were in the club, you know, I go to the clubs. The first three years I was in China, I did a lot of clubbing. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, dude, they, I mean, that sounds they cool. Have, they have a very, they had a very thriving nightlife before the government cracked down on it later. But um, so I spent a lot of time at the club. So, um, so she would be out there and she, of course, get attention. Head and, and shoulders tall yeah, than everybody. Yeah, just tall. And um, I'd watch her, you know, because like I'm, I'm an observer. I, I just watch people. I like to see social, you know, events. Interactions. Like, yeah, interactions. Yeah, yeah. I like to wall. see. So um, her, even though we never had a conversation, her vibe was really impressive to me because she never seemed to be uh, pandering for attention or anything like that. She was actually really, really humble, despite her being the center of attention a lot of the time, you know. I was like, I think she's kind of cool, you know, maybe she, I don't know because I can't talk to her, but yeah. we would we would give a, you know, a nod, nod to like, hey, what's, yeah, up, bro? what's up. Yeah. What's up, bro? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And she always kept it real cool like that. And I was like, you know what? Like, let me see if I can find a good picture of her to draw, you know. So just to kind of commemorate the memory of this person I came across in my experience over there, you know. Yeah, and that's just kind of like one example of those portraits. Yeah, dude, that's that's really cool. So now I got to look at those drawings with a different lens, right? Because I'm just looking at them as like, oh, this is like what you're into, right? Because not you stylize them in a in a really cool way. Thanks, man. You know, it's not it's not like you're just like completely copying a picture, right? You know, you're you're stylizing it. You're making it like. Right. You're filtering it through your experiences. That's right. Which is, I think that's what art, good art does. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But dude, we're going to get into it now. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's dive deep. So (laughs) you're you're there. How long did you spend in blueberries? (laughs) About five and a half, six years. Five and a half, Mm -hmm. six years. Holy shit. So you got there in like 2014, 15, something like that? 15. 2015. And... so if we do the math, you're there during the big shutdown. Yep. We'll just call it the big shutdown. Yeah, right. We want we don't want this to get Yeah, we don't want this up, to get right? uh yeah, just the, the big shutdown. <laughs> so So walk me through it like what was what what was your experience like leading up to like to the big shutdown? Because, uh, you know, everything got shut down here in March. That's right. Of that mm-hmm. year. Um, we, had, we had just thrown an art show down the street. Like okay. uh, in, in February. Yeah. It was a big art show. And people were like, some people were talking about the, 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 the virus or sure. something like that. Sure. It was like, there was some rumblings. But it was, an, it was a huge turnout. Right. Huge turnout. There was probably like 
400, 500 people that came through. Huge turnout. Nice. Um, and then, like, literally, like, two weeks later, everything shut down. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit. Like, this is, shit got real. Yeah. That's so what right. was, what was your experience? Because we, we were hearing some stuff. Right. You know, a little bit here That's and there. That's right. You know, just like, oh, whatever. And some people are talking about it. And yeah. some people are like, what's that? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh, I heard about that, but what is it? Yeah. So you're over there in the epicenter. What what was your experience? Yeah. Well, um, in the same way, we started hearing about stuff um, through the rumor mill. Now, um, the the blueberry government will do all that it can to suppress information from spreading. It has the supreme ruling voice over anything being shared anywhere. Right. And that means that's that includes person to person. Absolutely. They, so it's not just like the the news is shutting stuff down. No. And it's not like, you know, it's not just official channels. It's right. like your neighbor won't talk to you about certain things. That's right. That's right. And imagine like, imagine talking to somebody over Insta or Facebook and having the government be in the middle of your conversation with one of your friends or family or whatnot, like right in the middle. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're in it. They they watch everything. So um, when so, we started, so are her, they like eavesdropping? Oh yeah, oh, like yeah. just every like, every um, like institution uh, in in that country has to be filtered through the government. Absolutely. So um, there's nothing that takes place without their knowledge. I mean, I'm sure there's people doing stuff on the side, right, but right. their their days are numbered. Like. If, if they're at the risk of serious jail time, like if they're caught doing, absolutely. They just come up That's missing. a real thing. Yes, that's absolutely a real thing. So, um, so when we started hearing rumors that something was going on in Wuhan, which was quite a far distance from Beijing. So it wasn't like we had to suddenly panic. We just heard like, oh, there's something going down in Wuhan. What's up with that? And you start to see it appear on WeChat, but almost immediately following and, and it. And what's WeChat? WeChat is the social media app that they use to communicate back and forth. Well, so there. it's like their Facebook or something? It's like their Facebook. Um, you know, to be honest, in some ways it was better than Facebook uh, because what you could do on WeChat was more than what Facebook can do here, actually. I mean, you could... You could buy a house through WeChat if you wanted to, like you can and buy not get scammed <laughs> and and not, and not get scammed. Well, that's a different that's a different subject. <laughs> that's a whole different subject about being scammed over there. But <laughs> you just just my point of you can do a lot with that social media app. Um, that that um, it was a little bit ahead of time. Like you could you could go to the grocery store and through WeChat buy your groceries take it to the store and you you're literally using your your social media app to pay for your groceries like it had more functions than facebook does um but at the same time the downside is you're 100 percent being watched yeah Yeah. i mean (laughs) we are here too sure sure but they're more obvious about it which is good or bad depending on how you look at it at least that people know they're being watched right my my mother-in-law didn't know like uh I forget what it was, but I was I was talking about something, mm. and it came up on my on my 
fucking Facebook. Yeah. And she goes, uh, I go, hey, look at that. And she goes, oh, you were just talking about that. I go, yeah. Right. Because they're listening to, to everything oh, you yeah. say. Definitely. And, and she's like, what? I go, dude, it's in the terms of agreement. Like that you just, that we all just go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. That the microphone's down. on and yeah. Mm-hmm. And they can use your thing for uh, data, whatever. That's right. They're just going to look at it. Right. Nobody cares. We all go, oh, yeah, fuck it. Sure. Fuck it. Right. <laughs> but in China, it's the government. Yeah. Looking at it, it's right. not like a private company. That's right. Trying to get money, trying right. to, get you to spend and market their money. you and yeah. all this stuff. Now it's the government watching you. So, um, so yeah, we started to hear you know things about Wuhan, and then also almost like right on the tails of those rumors, were the government saying no, 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 nothing's going on down there, and so that made anyone with a brain raise their eyebrow even more because if the government is trying to suppress it you know that something's actually going on, right? Yeah, if they so, just stayed quiet. <laughs> right, right. If the government hasn't said anything, it's probably not real. Probably not real, right. But it if they're saying, no, it's definitely not real. It's definitely not real. So <laughs> then not you that, know yeah, that shit is real as hell. So that's what was happening. And uh, so we were like, my fiance and I, we were like, okay, this is, something's, something's real. And uh, so we are we are very mindful. You told you told me last time about a specific number that they kept repeating. Forty two. They kept for a week. They were claiming that the number did not rise above forty two. Forty two cases in all forty two cases in all in the epicenter Wuhan. They were claiming that only forty two cases for a week. They were claiming that. And now as we understand how the pandemic spread, we know that's bullshit, right? There's no way it stayed only 42 for a whole week at the moment that it break, broke out, you know, no way. So um, anyway, we started to see that and we started to get a little bit worried, to be honest. We were like, okay, this is starting to get, it's starting to pick up, the story's starting to pick up pace now. Like it's coming from more than one source. You're starting to hear people talk about it more and more. We're like, oh damn, this is getting real. And then um, I was working at the time, uh, just over 2020, when 2020 first crossed over. Uh, I was still working at my job. Uh, I was teaching English over there. And uh, the school was still open. And they're like, okay, every, every year, uh, the, it's, it's cultural to, and traditional for the, for the locals to take a big holiday um, on around Chinese New Year and it usually it can last all the way up for a month. So yeah, it's a big holiday for for everybody there. So that time period was coming up. So we're like, okay, we're getting ready for that holiday. When that happens, all most businesses shut down actually. But the the pace of the the pandemic spread so fast that they sent us home earlier than planned. They were like, okay, don't come to work tomorrow. It happened just like you were saying earlier, so fast, right? One day so, you're partying, hanging out, and the next day they're like, don't come here. So right? this is like in January? 2020, yes, in January. Oof. But we started hearing about it in December. So in January, it had shut everything down. They're like, don't come back to work tomorrow. I'm like, okay, now it's getting real, right? Like, whoa. So um, we were forced to stay home, and basically we were on – like quarantine from there until um, we stayed on quarantine. Not not the the Wuhan style quarantine where they're like welding you into your apartment. We didn't we didn't experience that, but that was real. Um, we didn't experience that in Beijing. They, they welded them into their apartment. Yeah, 
Yeah, they were welding families into their apartment. And what about like food and water, anything? The government wasn't coming by to... No, no, they were welding. There were, there were videos that circulated before the government caught them and removed them of the teams of people welding families into their homes because they were su- suspect of having the virus. Yeah. So um, they were snatching people off the street and stuff like that, throwing them in these little trucks that look like dog catcher trucks, you know, little tiny yeah. like. Yeah, they were just snatching people off the street and throwing them in that truck. And these were like really happening in Wuhan and surrounding areas. So, of course, it created some kind of panic, but it hadn't reached up to Beijing that heavily at that time, at that time. So um, anyway, Beijing is the is the king's castle. That's where like that's the least uh, providence, you know, province that uh, that the president would want to have taken down right so so as a precaution they still did some you know uh quarantine style you know precautions like guarding uh blocking certain areas and shutting down and that's how we we were rocking that for about six months or more before they finally lifted that and even after they lifted that it was still kind of this uh hybrid quarantine slash not life that I was living after that in 2020, whereas like you weren't restricted to the quarantine, but everywhere you went, you'd still find people wearing masks. You'd still find you had to use WeChat to scan your health code in before you walked in. There would be a little thing, a little podium, and you had to scan your phone there to prove that you didn't have the virus <laughs> or that or no, that you lived in an area that was not considered dangerous uh, of having the virus. So you would scan it. It already knows where you live and it would be like, okay, you're, you're good. You may enter, you know, (laughs) it's just wild, dude. Yeah. It was pretty wild, man. It was pretty wild. I made a lot of, I made a lot of posts while I was there and I was posting them to Facebook, like keep my family updated when the pandemic first able to access Facebook. Yeah. I had to use a VPN, you know, this like virtual thing. Um, I had to use a VPN to go over their firewall, but yeah. uh, So was that, is that legal? No. If I had been caught with a VPN, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. I'm telling you, they were, they were very strict about. So how, how would you, how would you get a VPN on your phone? I downloaded it when I was in America. Yeah, uh, I started it knew. here. Yeah, because I had already gotten a heads up from somebody that was in China at the time. He said, hey, you better get a VPN now so you can use it when you get here. OK, so I paid I had a paid uh, VPN. It was expensive as opposed to the free ones, but it was more consistent. So um, I used that to, to, you know, communicate with my family and post videos and stuff of what was going on. Yeah. That's yeah, wild as shit, trip, dude. Man. It was a trip. Yeah, so while you were there, mm. you made some interesting art. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's During right. the lockdown, the, the that's what she said? Oh, yes. Right. Okay, we're going we're gonna to talk yeah, about that one. Yeah, All dude, right. because I All thought right. that was so interesting. Because like, when yeah. I saw it, I remember looking at it thinking, this is interesting as fuck. This, this has a story because <laughs> there's so much symbolism. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
like the there I think there was a swastika in his in in his mm-hmm. Buddhist he sure. had like the like the Buddhist um beads like the Buddha beads mm-hmm. like the prayer beads right and in the middle was that medallion with like that with that Nazi like well the bo- like, the the prayer beads were around his hand but here is a necklace a gold necklace okay yeah with the swastika in the middle and all of that has a purpose and again that was like just keeping it real, just keeping it authentic. I needed to get out what I was, what 2020 felt like to me, you know? And, um, you know, I was uh, keeping on, uh, you know, minute by minute what's going on in China, what's going on in the world with the pandemic, who's saying what, what, what alleged leader, world leader is saying what, you know, I was keeping track of all that stuff and I just poured it into that. That's actually the first of a series. I'm oh, working wow. on the second one right now of a different person. But um, so, um, yeah, I, I just needed to I needed to put it down somewhere. I needed because I couldn't talk much. I couldn't go too specific online. Even if I had a VPN, I had to be careful about what I said just in case. Right. So but no one could stop me from putting it on canvas. Right. Unless right. they were in that room catching me at the moment and i did have to like uh what do you call it? S- smuggle that painting into this country because i knew if i got caught like at the airport through customs yes if they had unrolled your canvases. if they had unrolled it and seen that i had drawn their president again this wouldn't be happening right now i would have definitely been locked up for sure bro like they were they are so serious about that stuff so serious like, like it's, it's joke. It's a joke. But for example, the Chinese president, he banned Winnie the Pooh because people said that he looked like him. So he literally banned Winnie the Pooh, the character from ever being shown in the country. So if you have a Winnie the Pooh coloring book, you won't, I, you, you, you probably won't find it there. I mean, unless you do some underground digging to find it. Like the character was banned because the the president was so insulted by the. <laughs> so the, wild, there's no way me drawing, you know, their president as the Virgin Mary. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that. But yeah. I used the Virgin Mary as like a and all of that is related to because he, their he, culture. So they, they present the, the government presents him at, as like this venerated kind of oh, man. almost like just as shy of a deity. Like he can Absolutely. do no wrong. Everything Absolutely. he does is, is right and, and yes. supreme. Like it's, you will find pictures of him instead of like Jesus or something of him with the shrine and all that of their president in this weird, like holy, like religious setting. They view their, not all, not all of course, but you'll find it there. That I'm sure some people do it just for worshipped. Just that way. so the government sees them through that. Lens. Absolutely. Some people like, oh, are look just at these guys being now. smart. Yeah. These guys got it. <laughs> right. right, Prez? <laughs> Fuck, dude. Yeah. So. so as an artist, like, how are you how are you taking all of this stuff in? Because, you know, artists by nature are, are sensitive to the world. Like, that's, sure. that's what we do. We take in the world and then because it's affecting us so much right and then we we pour it back out like what what were you going through for those six months 
Oh, in the quarantine. Yeah, kind in of the like, quarantine. Because you had uh, mentioned like they like ordering food was a whole ordeal. Yeah, right. Um, we had to, you know, or we order food here now, you know, through the Grubhub and whatever, you yeah. know. But um, they had been doing that before we caught on to it here. Uh, again, through WeChat, you can order your food or through a separate food app. You can order your food and they come on their little bikes, you know, their little uh, electric bikes or whatever. And they deliver the food. And in the before the pandemic, they would come all the way up to your door and deliver the food straight to your hand. But after the pandemic, um, they wouldn't allow it. So in our community, we had to meet them down by the gate, this metal gate that surrounded our community and they would throw the food over the gate, you know, and we had to catch it over the gate or just reach over the spiked gate to like grab it. Yeah. And uh, the, even the, the delivery guys had to check in every, every hour to verify that they hadn't caught COVID. So they had some kind of like thing on their phone that verified that they were healthy. Like, they don't have was, a fever. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Fuck. So it, it changed a lot. It changed a lot. Like COVID, even though it wasn't heavy in Beijing at the time, uh, it did change like a lot of our lifestyle, basically. So many things shut down um, as a result of COVID, for sure. The government went and did a sweep of the country, at least in Beijing, and I think broadly, of foreigners in China. So they took they took the opportunity to do a big sweep of non-Chinese in the country and try to find who should and shouldn't be there. So they started deporting fools like crazy after that. If you didn't have, doesn't matter if you got in the country, by whatever means you got in the country, if you didn't have the paperwork to stay, you're gone, you know, you're out. So um, they even took away the industry I was working in, which was the tutor, the English tutoring. You know, I worked for a private company that taught one-on-one -on -one English. So they just completely wiped that out. They took it away completely. So I had to, I had a decision to make either stay and change up and, and go to an international school where uh, in order to teach there, the credentials had to be much higher or leave. So I decided to leave, you know, I, I had, I had, you know, worked so hard to um, not perfect, but get really good at teaching English as a second language to children. And I didn't want to do it any other way. Besides that, I had gotten locked out of America. I was out locked out of America for almost two years. I tried to come back here, my ticket got canceled. Uh, before I eventually I can't say escaped because I didn't necessarily escape by the time I left. But it felt like a fucking but it escape. It felt like an escape because I did slowly, slowly over the uh, course of a month start purging my personal belongings. I would just take it out to the garbage and uh, leave it there by the garbage cans. Each a little by little, I would just get rid of my personal belongings because I knew it couldn't take it with me. Right. And I knew somebody would take it. It was like, you know, I don't know if you watch um, uh, How I Met Your Mother. You know, have you ever watched that show? They had yeah. that like what, one little area where they would take something down there in front of the apartment and like within seconds it would disappear. <laughs> That's exactly how it was. I could put something out there. And before I'm even walking back, there would already be somebody out of the shadows 
going and snatching what I've just put down there. Like it oh, was yeah. that it was like that. Then I had good shit. So like they came up. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> I got shit, rid of dude. new stuff just because I couldn't take it. So over the course of a month, I purged all my personal belongings that I knew I wasn't going to take new clothes, new items like stuff. And then the night that I left, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my roommates. I just quietly packed up all my belongings and like snuck out of the apartment, basically called the DD, which is like, you know, Uber. Uh, and I was like, hey, I ordered that shit. They came and got me. I had si- I had five or six bags with me. Yeah. And uh, they came and scooped me up. And then when I got to the airport, that's when I messaged my roommates like, hey, I'm out. And they're like, huh? Oh, OK. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, good luck. Here's the code for the to pay the electricity. I'm gone. I deleted them from my WeChat and I was like, Psh, gone, you know. And because I didn't want, I didn't want, I didn't want to take any chances that the government or whatever would try to stop me from getting out. I was missing my family like crazy. I was missing my daughter like crazy. You know, I had, I had, um, up until then, I had made an effort to visit America uh, once or twice a year, sometimes three times a year before that. But after pandemic, I didn't visit, I visited America in 2019. I didn't get back here till May of 2021. No visits in between. And I was just, it was killing me that I hadn't seen my daughter in that long. I missed her birthday. I missed Christmas, all that stuff. And I was just falling apart. And I'm like, nothing's going to stop me. I'm getting the hell out of here. You know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. You hear the rest? Here, how you landed. Tune into the podcast. Later. Later. Yeah, so when you finally touched down, dude. Yeah. What was that feeling like? Oh, man. After smuggling that fucking painting through, well, walk me through that. Like, what, what was that like? Well, I rolled it up in, I, when I had first gotten there, one of the families that I was teaching the English to the, to the child, they had gifted me a giant painting, uh, like Asian style watercolor painting. Yeah. Um, the, the grandfather of the family was like a successful painter and they had gifted me that painting and I used it to roll over my painting. Right. So just in case they did happen to look, they would just see this kind of like Asian, like rice paper type of painting yeah. over it. You know, they would have to get real nosy to go deeper than that. You know, Yeah, and they're just trying to shuffle people through. <clears throat> yeah. And they're trying to shuffle people through. So that's how I and I I, did, I took it with me as a carry on. I didn't put it in my luggage because yeah. I didn't I didn't trust. I thought it might get damaged or whatever. So um, I took the I took the frame bars off, you know, the canvas bars off so it was just loose canvas you know yeah and uh just got it in that way yeah but i was nervous as hell i'm not gonna lie i was so nervous uh, uh, don't mind me yeah yeah (laughs) dude (laughs) yeah it was it was it was pretty intense man but i was so proud to get it back here and like yes now i know once it's here i'm protected you know Uh, you know america you know american government has its flaws I'm not even going to deny that. Let's be honest, right? Yeah, but I knew shitty, once I'm here. people in America, yeah. Sure. sure. But I knew if I can get my art here, 
there's some level of protection I could have with it, you know? So I'm like, okay, cool. It's here, you know? Yeah. So I'm working on another one that's going to accompany that piece. And then there's another one I intend to create after that. You want to say who it's of? Um, second one is of Trump and it's, it's, uh, it's less to do what, what people American view of Trump might have to do and, uh, might view about it and more to do with, uh, I actually started it in China. I started it there and it's also a response to what I saw the president doing in response to the virus that started triggering some emotions. I needed to put it on canvas. So I'm, I started there, I'm finishing it here. And of course I'm adding more things, but, um, that one's, that one has a lot of, that one's even deeper for me because that's our president or was anyway, right? That's my country's so-called president. So I have more emotional connection to his handling of things or mishandling of things that were going on. He, his, his words were putting me in jeopardy over there. Like, and I didn't appreciate that shit. You know, I really didn't appreciate that shit. Put all his, you know, other shit aside. I didn't like the things he was saying in relation to China because it was heightening the tension for Americans currently in China. Like when he was saying crazy shit about China. Right. Like China. What, did you think like, oh, dude, these people are going to fucking fuck. Yeah. And they were, man. They were. I was getting dirty looks like fuck. People are asking like just me random like, people. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, man. Like someone tried to bomb the U.S. embassy. Um, they didn't think too much about it and they ended up injuring themselves in the process but um but yeah people are asking me hey man what's up with your president over there like why is he saying this stuff and i'm like i was ashamed you know what i mean i was ashamed like come on be smart bro like you're the president of the country you should put some thought into what you're saying when you are in front of a microphone and you're speaking to an international audience like, think about your Americans that are in these other countries you're talking shit on. Think about it. Yeah, that's not his <laughs> no. strong suit, dude. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, he, measuring his words, that's that's not his... Right, so I, um, you know, separate from all the other madness, that was one part that struck me personally because I felt like it was... He was directly making my life there more dangerous, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, you fucking asshole. Ooh, it was making me mad, dude. Because like, when, when you're there, do they know that you're American? Because you look you, you look like you could be like sure. any kind of Central, South American. That's right. Maybe Spanish, uh, say Portuguese. Right. You're, you're like, you know, nationally, you look like you can like fit in any number of That's true. Countries. That's true. Throw a head wrap on me and I could be Middle Eastern. Yeah, you're well. Middle Eastern. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So, um, but... Uh, there, there are a few telltales that I'm at least, uh, first of all, I'm not Chinese. That's number one, yeah, right? That's not, easily, you're not one of us, right? That's right. That's number one. You're not one of us, no matter what you are, you're not one of us. And that, the, that was the vibe. That was the vibe. I started to get more and more. What's, what's the term that they use? Cause uh, here we say foreigner. Like, oh, he's a foreigner. Yeah. They do call you foreigner. Um, what's the word? If, 
Uh, you know, I don't know the Chinese word for that, but um, uh, if you're a teacher or, well, Lao Wai, I think is something they would refer to as, um, you know, foreigners there. And it's, it's somehow, it's somehow not completely an insult, but also not a positive not sentiment. Yeah, yeah it's, not it's, it's something, yeah, I don't know. Um, no one really called me that, you know, um, I worked with, I worked at a private school and most of my parents of the students I was teaching were like government workers, like high, high level government workers. And they want their kids to learn English so that yeah. their kids can maybe yeah. make a way out. So most of the parents I worked with were completely respectful, you know, and they understood the importance of me being there, you know. Yeah, and how beneficial and beneficial, yeah. Until you know, the government stripped it away. But um, like, what what kind of conversations would you have with them? Like about, like, would they ask you questions about the West? Like, would they, would they ask you like, what's it like, and and what would you say? Well, a lot of the, well, so not a lot of, but some of the families I had, uh, you know, been dealing with, some have been here, visited, you know. And they know what they've had the American experience, you know, and they love it as far as visiting, you know, um, some of them were actually absolutely barred from coming here because their job doesn't allow it. You know, they're high, too high up in the government. You know, one of my students' parents worked on space shuttles and I don't know if he was supposed to tell me that, but this, the son would come and like, yeah, my dad, he shocked me. Actually, I was a little bit shocked because one of my students, his name was Kevin. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, my dad, I was like, oh, what did your dad do? He's like, uh, um, like he works on a space shuttle. And I'm like, he works on a space shuttle. I was like, I wanted clarification. So I had him draw it. I'm like, show me what you're talking about. He drew a freaking a space, space shuttle, shuttle and he drew his dad working on the outside of it. Like, you whoa. know, and I was like, whoa, like I didn't think that at all. Cause I had met his parents, you know, and I was like, and him and or his dad and his mom both worked for their space shuttle program. Like, OK, let's let's talk about something else, because I yeah. have a feeling you're not supposed to be telling me. this. Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, I had um, I had uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of the children's parents worked for the government. There was one area uh, where I did private uh, tutoring, even separate from the school. I would go every Tuesday and I would teach these children, these specific children private reading lessons in that area that the community was called space city and it was for all government working families and like you had to check in and check out none of those parents were allowed to leave the country like Whoa. none of them yeah so um they were trying to build better opportunities for their children you know by teaching them english by expanding their minds so they could have more potentially than what their parents because yeah, now they're add. trapped. Yeah. They're yeah, trapped by they're their quote-unquote success. Yes. Like, you know too much. Right. You know too much. Exactly. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, man. Yeah, so so when you get here, like, what's what's your response, like, internally? Um, like, when, like, when you, like, when you touch down and you're here, mm -hmm. and, you know, of course, everyone's saying hi, and, oh, my God, you're back, and your family, sure, sure. me too, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, what? After the smoke clears, like, what mm -hmm. are you, like, what's your, what's your internal monologue? What's your internal dialogue? Like, what's that? Okay. If I'm being honest, 
which I always intend to do, I actually didn't feel like I was from here, man. Like I felt like I'm somehow a foreigner here too. I didn't feel like I fit in anymore, like with my own country, you know, because, you know, America went through a delayed uh, experience as far as COVID. You know, we had experienced it a little bit earlier in China and then they called off the, they called off all the, you know, restrictions and everything a little bit earlier. China claimed we won the virus. That's what they said. <laughs> and uh, so they, they lifted everything much earlier, but America was still just in the beginning stages of going through it. Right. So by the time I got here, it was post the, the riots that took place downtown. It was post like, I can't get my hair cut cry baby shit. It was post all that stuff. But um, so when I got back, I came back to a very uh, devastated form of America than the one that I had previously visited in 2019. And at the same time, I did. I had been gone so long. I also didn't feel like I, I'm completely American. It was really weird, man. I thought I thought I was going to hit the ground running. I had a lot of energy. I'm like, oh, I'm so happy to be back home. But then when I got back. I'm like, what happened to my home, bro? It looks different. It feels different. It feels different. And then at the same time, I'm like, it hit me after getting home that I had some recovery to do from China. Subtly, uh, you know, living in a, a communist country over years, I didn't realize like what effect that had on me over time. Like the self-censoring. Yeah. Like you, you gotta be like very mindful of what you say. Yeah, what you, do, you gotta, you, you gotta always be aware of your surroundings. If you're non-Chinese, it's, like, it's like prison. It's sounding like prison, dude. It's something like it because what you're, what yeah. you're, what you're telling me right now, what what I'm hearing is like, oh yeah, I know what that's like. Right. You know right. what I mean? That's what happens when you come home from prison. Yeah, and I don't want to, I don't want to exaggerate or say I was locked in, but like, but the effects are similar in a way. Yeah, it yeah. was a mental prison. Right. So um, especially if you come from the West, you know, you're going to find that China is very much I mean, blueberries is very much <laughs> a mental prison for you. If you're coming from especially California, super democratic, yeah, dude, progressive fucking, yeah, right? just balls out. dude. Right. Like, so. Um, so, yeah, I came back here and, uh, you know, I realized, like, not only do I have some work to do to actually recover, I had some PTSD, to be honest, I couldn't actually. Um, I had some trouble, if I'm being honest, like I had some trouble psychologically feeling okay being back home. And then not only that, my home looked, felt different. So it was like these two things combined. And it took some work to get back to a normal state. But uh, go ahead. Well, you know the saying, like, you can't go home again. Yeah. Like, you can't go home again. Well, I, I heard this guy, he, he talked about it. And he said... Um, because he got into some trouble here stateside and he went to Mexico for a few years, got involved with the cartel. Yeah. Did some crazy shit over there and then ended up coming back. And he said, you know, when he was over there, he was just, he was like, man, I can't wait to go home. I want to go to this taqueria. I want to go see, mm -hmm. you know, the homies. I want to go do this. I want to I want to go home. Right. And he was over there for like three years or however long it was, three to five years. I can't remember. Yeah. But he comes back. And he goes to those places, but 
those places are different. Yeah. You know, the people are different. Yeah. He said, and and most of all, he's different. Right. Because he's had a different experience now. That's he's right. He's experienced all this other stuff. And these other these other places, these other people have kind of stayed the same, but they're different too. Yeah. So it's not it's not home anymore. Yeah. He's like he's like this home that I was longing for wasn't there anymore. That's right. He's like home has moved on. He's like and I've I'm completely different now. That's right. He's like so he said that 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 fucked with him because yeah. this thing that he was waiting that he was waiting to 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 embrace him yeah wasn't there. That's it didn't right. exist anymore. That's right. Exactly. I can relate it to it exactly. That's exactly what it felt like. Fucking a dude. Yeah. It was a trip, man. So it's been a journey to actually get back here and decouple from the effects of that place. It's long-term effects. It took me a while to stop having flashbacks, actually. I know what it it's like. It was weird. It was weird. I didn't expect it, actually. You know, because actually in 2020, I took advantage of that year. Despite being on quarantine for six months and and all that, I took advantage of that year and I worked on myself like crazy to to get rid of old things that had sort of been haunting me for years. And uh, that was I, I used 2020 as a jump off for viewing the world completely different. Um, but what I didn't see coming was the. Uh, <coughs> bless you. Thank you. <laughs> was the after effect of where I had been. I didn't, I didn't know that was coming. You know, I thought I would get back home and like, Hey, this is where I'm from. This I'm is back, my hometown. Guys. I'm hey guys, back. I'm back. What's up? <laughs> yeah. What's but, up? But Let's go. Let's do it. But guys aren't here. Like, guys right. Are- Everybody's hiding in their houses. Nobody, you know, and like I was bombarded with flashbacks of there. Um, the smallest thing could trigger something involving there. And I was like, Oh man, I have I have more work to do, so yeah, I w- I withdrew from from social interactions. I, c- I came in strong, but then when I realized <laughs> I had work to do, I backed out before I came back out and and started getting busy with Gabe. You know, with the art shows and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, do you think that that helped you like reintegrate and kind of find your footing now it in did. this new landscape? It did. Uh huh. And even at first, when we first started putting on shows people were showing up and I found myself like kind of hiding in the corner. Like I couldn't, I still wasn't comfortable actually being around big groups of people. Cause Beijing is crowded as fuck, bro. Like you like it's crowded, like except for when pandemic hit, then the streets were dead. But other than that. Yeah. And and Asian culture. So I had a celly in prison who was Vietnamese and he goes, he says, you know, he's like, Asian, he said, in Asian cultures, he's like, personal space isn't a thing. He's like, that's a, he's like, that's a Western idea of mm-hmm. personal space. Mm-hmm. He's like, you ever like at a, at a, at like at an Asian supermarket and you look at something and some old Asian lady will just come by and reach right under your arm and grab something and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's like, in, in, in Asian cultures, that's, that's fucking, that's normal. That's, pro- that's normal yeah, etiquette. Bro. He's like, here in the West, it's a different thing. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. and then for that to become like hey, stay away from me, yeah, like that must have been a shock oh, over man. there. And then oh. and then coming back over here, and then it's like 
<laughs> stay the fuck away from me still. Yeah, yeah, it was weird, man. It's like I was re-experiencing the lockdown life when I got back to America because America was still going through the whole pandemic, you know, thing. So I, yeah, I think that shit lingered too fucking long in, <laughs> yeah. in California for sure. Yeah. In California yeah. for sure, dude. Uh, um, I still see dorks walking around with masks and stuff, driving by themselves with masks. I'm like, yeah, you, that's a little bit. What are you, yeah. what are you doing, buddy? What, what are you doing? Like, right, relax. right. But I get it. Like some people live with old people or they're, you know, that's true. Yeah. Or people who have cancer or things like that. Like that's my, right. um, my wife's, my, my, my father-in-law, before he passed, he, he had cancer. So mm-hmm. we would wear masks when we'd go see him and stuff. Okay. Because we, you know, yeah. because he was, he was doing uh, chemotherapy and, you know, just there you go. immunosuppressive yeah. and all that shit. So That's it's right. like, just be mindful. You know, yeah. 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 Stuff like that. But, you know, if you're just at Target and you're like 22 and you're just like wearing a mask, I'm like, I'm going to assume you live with somebody who's sick. sure sure i'm gonna i'm gonna assume that so that i don't think it's yeah dork. i mean to each their own you know it's really like personal decision um i was a proponent and supporter of masking up when it all broke out yeah for uh, real, because in knew? china uh at the time uh hygiene was a thing not uh highly taken seriously and i think masking up was the proper thing to do there you know what I mean? Like we have our social etiquette here, but they're not quite caught up with that. Like, like I'm not trying to be disrespectful, <laughs> it's, but it's a cultural they, thing. It's dude. a cultural thing. I'm not saying, I guess I can't say they're, whether they're caught up or not. They just had different social norms. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was normal to, to cough out in the open, to sneeze out in the open, to blow snot rockets everywhere as nor- normal. Um, yeah, bro. As a Westerner, yeah. that was hard to You're like, accept. what the fuck, dude? And everyone else just reading the paper or doing whatever the fuck yep. they're doing. You're like, no yeah. one's going to say nothing? Right. Yeah. No one notices the long, dripping snot coming out of that guy's nose. Like, no one's going to say anything. Seriously. <laughs> Somebody come get your uncle, please. <laughs> Somebody come get your fucking uncle, bro. So um, it, it took, it was, <laughs> it was not easy to accept these kind of things. But uh, you just get used to it, I guess, you know, and you keep your distance from, you know. So now, like... You've been home what two years? Yeah, two years. You've been two here. Years, yeah. So now, like experiencing the art show that we had here in uh, at the gallery. Yeah, the gallery. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, we are <laughs> Sacramento. The gallery. That was fucking lit, dude. That was tight. Yeah, that was that was really cool. Yeah. So what what was that experience like? Like when you think of like when you first got off that plane and everything hits you like a ton of bricks. Like what yeah. the fuck is going on in my country? Yeah. What the fuck is going on inside of me? Like to go from there to, hey, this is fucking cool, dude. This and there's just people, it, yeah. everyone just rubbing elbows, you know, just. That's right. That's you know? right. It's, it's, um, I'm happy. I'm happy not just for, uh, we are Sacramento, not just for every person involved with that, but also for the city. I, um, it being away, I guess, reignited my passion for my art community so when i came back and any any new pop-up any new endeavor that that can contribute to the art community i'm all for it you'll see me showing up there in support you know what i mean i love it i love to see people out and about um and and overcoming their fear because it's been a whole you know 
nationwide thing of people being comfortable going out again and socializing without fear, you know. And um, I think we're doing quite well in terms of of conquering our fear of, you know, um, social interaction and things like that. And people are getting back out there. And I like to see it, you know. Yeah, same, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I ran into you Saturday because yeah. then this happened. Yeah, you that's know? right. And to to anybody who have asked, like, hey, would you like to be on the podcast sometime? Yeah. Like, just know that I, I got you somewhere in my mental Rolodex <laughs> and it's going to come up. Sure, I promise sure. it'll come up. It'll happen at the right time. And with you, you know, we lost that episode, like, what, like six months ago? Yeah, something like that. And a then, while back. you yeah. know, this happened, that happened, sure, you know, all sure. this other stuff. And uh, Mario, God bless him, he was trying to save that thing for like two weeks. He's like, yeah. dude, I'm still working. He's like, I'm going to try to filter it. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. Right. And then... He's finally, he's just like, that's a wrap. Right. That's a wrap. So to see you, man, and uh, um, to see you having a good time, that was, that was fucking awesome. Okay. But this this episode looks good. Okay. We're getting the green light on this bad boy. Yeah. I just want to give a quick shout out to my um, Asian uh, brothers, Asian American brothers and sisters um, that might be listening in. Um, This experience I had in China is definitely my own i don't mean to offend anyone you know stuff like that i'm not a big apologetic person i just you know um it's my experience my experience alone someone else might have a different experience but that was mine um know that i love you and uh i have uh i adore your culture actually and uh i've always been uh really into it i've been really interested in Asian culture, like since I was a teenager, at some point I became interested in the culture. I don't know for well, what you reason. Moved there, dude. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So that's I mean, you don't you don't move somewhere you, you think sucks. Yeah, that's right. That's you right. Know, so, so, so I just want to make sure, like you know, I think, uh, I'm looking out for my Asian Americans too, and they're not uh, no, I, I think perceiving you, what I'm saying as a you know jaded or something, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 bro. You you. I'll say this for for what you told me and and how I look at it. Mm-hmm. I look at it like you were there at a fucking time that will never be repeated. It's unrepeatable. Hopefully like, not, you, man. The experience that you had is unrepeatable. So if somebody goes over there now, they'll be like, I don't know what he's talking about. That's right. And and they won't because That's right. It's a different world. That's right. And yeah. dude, I, I think you know you spoke. Like eloquently, dude, and I, I think, I think that's like one of those life enriching things, dude. Oh yeah. Like it's one of those things. That I, I found that the things that suck when you're going through them, like on the other end, given a little bit of time and right. given acceptance and you know, uh, you know, searching through your feelings and all mm-hmm. that stuff, that shit fucking it, it enriches you like nothing else. Oh yeah, man. It gives you such an appreciation for for everything like for everything. like how now you're like i'm all about the art scene here i'm all about yeah. the community i'm all about this because it, it was it was taken from you yeah you know and uh bro i'm, I'm so happy that you're in such a good space now because even now like one uh, when, when we talked last you were just getting over being super sick yeah so now you got more energy you yeah. got a better color you got a little you know what i mean you look like you filled out you look yeah, like you were yeah. really skinny last time i saw you yeah yeah you know when, yeah, when you, you know when you see a uh a, a dog that 
you're like, hey, man, you've been running through the fields for a couple of days. You, you lost? <laughs> yeah. you know I mean, they look a little skinny. Like, that's yeah, what you look yeah. like when I, when I first met you. Now you look like you, yeah. like you filled out. You put a little size yeah. on, a little muscle. Despite what happened over there, I don't regret it for a single second. Even, you know, even the, the bad times I experienced over there, the, the hatred I experienced, you know, the side eyes from people. I don't regret it. It, it like you said, it strengthened me in ways I never knew I could be strengthened. And uh, now, to be honest, like I've probably used it in a joking way. I've probably used it like when I've encountered certain challenges since being back here. I'm like, hey, I survived the pandemic in in goddamn China. China dude. You think you can really fade me over here? Like you can't scare me, you know, and I've raised the bar in terms of myself on what I've raised a standard for how I'm going to hold myself accountable be honest, be, you know, this and that. And then also for how I'm going to be treated. I've raised the standard. Like I will not accept this. And then these are things I didn't have before. I kind of just willing to take on whatever punches anybody wanted to throw at me, you know, but now it's like, no, I'm not taking that shit. You need to change your attitude or get the fuck out of my way. Like, that's it. You I love know? it, bro. That's the American yeah. way. Look at you. <laughs> Fucking full-fledged American now. <laughs> I love it, Doug. So listen, man. It's that time. Yeah. All right. So, God forbid. Yeah. You say, you know what? I'm jumping on this slow boat to China. And we're going to take the scenic route. Oh and, uh, you know, all right. When I get on the other side. Yeah. And, but we never hear from you again, bro. We don't know what happened. We mm-hmm. don't know if they found out about the painting. Right. Or I this disappeared. Podcast. They disappeared. Yeah, me. And you just disappeared. <laughs> you know? You're in some work camp breaking big rocks into little That's rocks. That's right. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. Exactly. We wish you the best. Exactly. But if all we have left is your legacy, bro, what do you hope your legacy is? Um, I want to. <clears throat> Tell people to uh, get out of your comfort zone. Take chances. Take risks. Calculated risk, of course. Be careful. <laughs> but um, go after it. Go after life. Live. Live. That's like if there's a single word I could, you know, convey to anybody, it would be live. Live. You know, Um and just go get it. Whatever your heart is is telling you to go after, do it. Do not stop listening to the naysayers. Stop listening to public opinion, whatever. You know, just go. Do it. Live. <laughs> I love it, brother. Well, yeah. that's it for this episode. All right. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, dude, anytime, man. And, having me uh, back. Shout out your, uh, yeah, dude, of course. Oh, yeah. You can your... find me at uh, Art is a Weapon 77. That's my art page. Um, you want to get a little more personal, you can find me at Zombie Slayer 77. That's on Instagram. Both of those are on Instagram. Hit me up. I'm open to talk about anything. Let's let's collaborate. Let's conversate. Oh, that's what's up. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by We Are Sacramento and the gallery. <laughs>